Reality Church is a church striving to be biblical. We pray that this sermon would help you in your personal walk. Be blessed. Amen. It is wonderful to be in the Lord's house on the Lord's day. As uh, Brother Jesse says, best day of the week. We get to come on Sunday and be together with our family in Christ. Um, I want to get into the word this morning. I pray that it is uh, a helpful word this morning. I, it was it was very encouraging to me as I went through it. So, uh, Charles Haddon Spurgeon said this. He said, "Hope itself is like a star, not to be seen in the sunshine of prosperity." And only to be discovered in the night of adversity. We talked a little bit about that hope last Sunday. And I truly pray that, that you guys have been hopeful this entire week since then. Um, Paul is going to dig a little bit deeper into uh, this hope as we finish up this line of teaching on inheritance. And what we have in Christ as, our, as, as, as sons of God, what, what Christ has provided for us. And I pray that you are completely full of hope by the time you leave this building, that you are in Christ, and in Christ you have the greatest hope of all uh, at work in your hearts. And as we finish this text and, and finish this sermon, I pray that that's how you walk out of here, just so full of hope that you can't even stand it. Now here, the infallible, inspired Word of God, Romans 8, verse 24 and 25. For in this hope we were saved. Now hope that is seen is not hope. For who hopes for what he sees? But if we hope for what we do not see, we wait for it with patience. Let us pray. Father God, we thank you for your word. We thank you that it is inspired and inerrant, infallible, and God as we read the word, we know that it is the thing in this whole sermon that cannot fail and cannot be wrong in any way because it's your word and you have spoken it. Remove the veil that we may see your attributes clearly shown in your word. God, bless us that we may retain it. Holy Spirit, illuminate this scripture. Sanctify us by your truth. Your word is truth. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen. First of all, I want to remind you what hope is. Um, we defined it last week out of uh, Webster's 1828 Dictionary because it has the best definition of hope I've ever seen in my life. Um, if, you, if you just Google definition of hope, you probably won't see this because uh, back in 1828, they still used the, the, the Word of God and, and God Himself as a uh, standard and Webster's 1828 Dictionary defines hope as confidence in a future event, the highest degree of well-founded expectation of good, as a hope founded in God's gracious promises. So, when he talks of hope in, in, in the Scripture, he's not talking of something that, fleet, that is fleeting, that you... Uh, boy, I sure hope something happens. No, he's talking about a solid, sure, foundational expectation that you can have that, that this hope is true. 
And in this text, I think Paul makes very four very important statements on hope and shows us biblical hope. Um, let's reread verse 24 real quick. For in this hope we were saved. Now hope that is seen is not hope. For who hopes for what he sees? The first statement that he makes here I think is very, very awesome. It says, In this hope we were saved. Now I want you to think of this. Take your mind outside of the Bible Belt, outside of what we've heard our whole lives. As if, as if, as if you've never heard about what Christianity is, okay? Think of this. We right now are saved by belief in something that we have never seen with our eyes. To the world, that doesn't make sense. That's why the gospel is an offense to many. It doesn't make sense. How can you believe in something you've never seen with your own eyes? That's the argument of the atheist a lot of times. Uh, show it to me. I don't see it. Well, let's look at what Jesus said in John 20. John 20, verses 27 through 29 says, and this is when Christ is appearing to the disciples. And we know that Thomas has been doubtful that Christ arose. And now Christ appears before the disciples. And who's, who's there finally? Thomas. And he says, it says in here, Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here and see my hands. And put out your hand and place it in my side. Do not disbelieve, but believe. Thomas answered him, My Lord and my God. Jesus said to him, have you believed because you have seen me? And then he says something very awesome. He says, blessed are those who have not seen and yet believed. We are blessed, according to Christ, by this hope that we have never seen. Because we believe in something we don't see, we are truly blessed. You see, we are justified very simply, by faith in Christ alone. Faith in Christ alone. Well, let's define faith then. Hebrews 11.1. 1. I love how the ESV puts this. Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for. And the conviction of things not seen. Let's talk about the assurance of things hoped for. The assurance of hope. You see, he has saved us based on nothing that we can see. Nothing. Nothing we can do in this world. No effects that come from anything that we can do or any other visible thing. Our salvation and our hope is based on the merits and works of Christ. His life, His death, and His resurrection. Three things that we could never see. That was a long time ago. We, we're not going to be able to see those things. So, 
We didn't see it, and we could never see it. Yet it's the most solid assurance that we could ever have in this life is to be founded upon the hope that we have in Christ. To me, this hope that we have in Christ that we were saved by it, it is one of the most comfortable, comforting things that we can encounter in this life. The Heidelberg Catechism, the first question puts it like this. And I think, I think it's, they do a really good job of explaining this. Um, the question is, what is your only comfort in life and in death? And the answer is that I am not my own, but belong body and soul in life and in death to my faithful Savior, Jesus Christ. A hope that gives comfort and will stand. We were saved by Christ. What he has done was enough to save you. That is a blessed, blessed hope. We truly are blessed to believe in something that we don't see. For Christ is our all in all. We are his. We can rest assured in that. Why? Because Christ secured that hope for us. Therefore, we can't mess it up. If he secured the hope, how could we mess it up? The next thing I would say that we see Paul say is that hope that is seen is not hope. Hope that is seen is not hope. You see, hope isn't something that we can see with our eyes and, and touch in this life. They're, 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 that's not true hope. I think that many uh, in the modern church and in the modern world, uh, we take our eyes off of the eternal things and the sure hope that we have in Christ and begin to hope in things on this earth. And we begin to hope in temporal things, things that don't last, things that aren't forever. And these are the very things that Christ told us not to place our hope in. And you've seen it. We've all seen it. And guess what? We've probably all been there. Some hope in prosperity and, and, maternal, and, and material wealth. Some hope in those things. In John 6, or Matthew 6, excuse me. Matthew 6, verse 19 through 21, is part of the greatest sermon of all time, the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus puts it very clearly. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. You see, our true treasure is heavenly. We cannot base our life here on this earth, if we're in Christ, on whether we are well off financially or materially. Because um, these things are temporal. They are here today and they're gone tomorrow. How do we know that? Well, 
you can't watch TV. You can't, you can't have lived through 2008 and not see that you could have all these wonderful riches and overnight they disappear. A year ago, there were small businesses that were thriving that today don't even open their doors anymore because they can't, because they had to shut down. We cannot base our hope on material wealth and prosperity in this life financially or in, or in, or in things. Our wealth does not determine our relationship to Christ because it can be stolen, it can be destroyed, and it is a world system. So we know that in Christ we're his forever. He said that clearly in Psalm 121 that God keeps us. So if God keeps us, then he's a hope that can't be destroyed, it can't be stolen, and it's definitely not a world system. He is our only hope. The treasure we have with Christ in heaven is immeasurable and it is untouchable. There is no thief that can take away what God has stored up for you as a child of God in heaven. No thief can touch it. Moth can't destroy it. And you can't imagine it. Some hope in having their needs met. And, and living a, a comfortable life. Matthew six twenty five through 33 says this. Therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. It is not life more than food and the body more than clothing. Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? And why are you anxious about clothing, considering the lilies of the field, how they grow? They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you? O oh, you of little faith, therefore do not be anxious, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. So many times... I think we tie our hope to whether we have all we think we need in this life. And look, there's nothing wrong with wanting to make sure that you are comfortable, that your kids have all that they need. There's nothing wrong with that. But there's no hope in it. None. We don't hope for those things. Why? I think Christ teaches a great lesson here about that. Because it is God who is our sustainer. See, all the things that we need flow from Him. It's not from our work or our worry or our efforts. It all comes from God. We have placed our hope 
in the wrong thing if we're placing our hope in comfort. And some place their hope in health. Let's admit it, guys. We all want to live forever. We do. We all want to live forever. Psalm 73, 26 says, My flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. This body will not live forever. We will face sickness. We will face disease at times. And one day this body will fail to function. And one day we will be buried in the ground. So don't place your hope in your body. And whether it's healthy or not healthy. You see, because our hope is not seen. All of these things can be seen. Well, our hope is not seen. Let's look at Hebrews 11.1 again where it says, Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for. The conviction of things not seen. So our faith is a conviction of things not seen. That hope. We do not see what we hope in. Our faith is not based on things we can see. Because that is not hope. Without a doubt, we have Christ as our hope. We have an inheritance in Him. And we can... We can stand on that. We can trust in that firmly with all of our being. The next thing that Paul says is, is very interesting. He kind of asks a question. He says, who hopes for what he sees? And, and I think this question can be easily answered. Those who aren't in Christ hope for what they see. They also do not have access to the hope that is our solid ground. That's our foundation. Matthew 7, 24 through 27 says this. Everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat on that house. But it did not fall. Because it had been founded on the rock. And everyone who hears these words of mine does them and does not do them will be like the foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat against that house and it fell. And great was the fall of it. Who's the foolish man? A man who hopes in what he sees. And not in Christ. Because they have no solid foundation. When problems arise. And they lose those things they see that they've been hoping in. They crumble. They're defeated at every turn. And nothing on this earth. Because nothing on this earth can last. They will always desire more. And nothing will ever satisfy. And after this life it is an even worse thing. Because I'm reminded of a story that Christ told about that kind of man who placed his hope in something on this earth. Luke 16, 19 through 31. There was a rich man who was clothed in purple and fine linen and who feasted sumptuously every day. And at his gate was 
laid a poor, name, poor man named Lazarus, covered with sores, who desired to be fed with what fell from the rich man's table. Moreover, even the dogs came and licked his sores. The poor man died and was carried by the angels to Abraham's side. The rich man also died and was buried. And in Hades, being in torment, he lifted up his eyes and saw Abraham afar off and Lazarus at his side. And he called out, Father Abraham, have mercy on me and send Lazarus to dip the end of his finger in water and cool my tongue, for I am in anguish in this flame. But Abraham said, Child, remember that you in your lifetime received your good things and Lazarus in like manner bad things. But now he is comforted here and you are in anguish. And besides all this, between us and you, a great chasm has been fixed in order that those who would pass from here to you may not be able and none may cross from there to us. And he said, then I beg you, Father, to send him to my father's house, for I have five brothers, so that he may warn them, lest they also come into this place of torment. But Abraham said, they have Moses and the prophets, let them hear them. And he said, no, Father Abraham, but, but prophets, let but if someone goes to them from the dead, then they will repent. And he said to the, him, If they do not hear Moses and the prophets, neither will they be convinced if someone should rise from the dead. Though the rich man had so much on this earth, it was not hope. Lazarus had nothing temporal in this life. He was poor, covered in sores, begging for food. But his hope was eternal. The rich man wanted to have Lazarus go back and share the hope with his family and the word of God points to that hope from beginning to end and that's Jesus Christ. So what he was saying here, if if they won't believe what the prophets and what the law says about the coming hope, then they won't even believe Jesus Christ who raised from the dead. And we see that later on in in, in history. Those who place all of their hope in the things that they can see in this world truly have no hope. For them, this world is as good as it gets. This is all there is for them. Sad news, right? But... I have good news because that is not so for we who are in Christ. Let me read to you verse 21. Listen to this statement on hope. But if we hope for what we do not see, we wait for it with patience. You see, right now, we are eagerly Waiting, patiently waiting for the hope of our inheritance available through the awesome sacrifice of Jesus Christ. And Peter, he actually reinforces this hope. In 1 Peter 1, verses 3 through 9, it says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to his great mercy. He has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you, 
who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. In this you rejoice, though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials, so that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold that perishes, though it be tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Though you have not seen him, you love him. Though you do not now see him, you believe in him and rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory, obtaining the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your souls. That's beautiful. Peter lays out here what we can hope in. So, what do we hope in? First, we have hope in this life, in the salvation purchased for us by Jesus Christ. You see, this is a salvation that can't fail us because... Christ cannot fail us. Like the song says, Jesus paid it all. Nothing is left to be paid. The debt has been satisfied. The punishment for your sin has been completed in Christ. So if you are in Christ, you have hope in a salvation that is so sure you could set your watch by it. You are His. And he is yours. Secondly, we have hope in the great inheritance kept for us in heaven. You see, Christ died to purchase that inheritance for us. And he has gone to prepare a place for us. Like John 14 says, and he will bring us to that place with himself. And we will be there with him forever. Thirdly, we have hope in God himself who keeps and sustains us. In him, you see, we have all things. He is provider and sustainer. All things that are good for us, he is the giver of those things. What does the Bible say? All good and perfect things come from God. So, He's the provider. I hope in Him. Not in what I can figure out to do. Not how I can figure out how to fix something. Not how I can figure out how to, to, to take care of an issue or a situation. My hope is in God who provides all my needs. According to his riches and glory. Fourth. We have hope that no difficulty in this life. Could ever compare to the glory that is awaiting us. In Christ Jesus. You see we have a greater hope in him. 
a greater inheritance and a greater glory awaiting us after this life. And there may be times where we suffer. There may be times when we go through trials. There may be times when we see sickness and pain and and disease and and we see hurt all around us. and, And we're not excluded from that because we're in Christ. We will see those things. But there is coming a day when all of that will be washed away. And all the tears will be wiped from your eyes. All the sickness, all the sin, and all the the horrible things of this world will go away. And we will see Him in His glory. Fifth, we have hope in the absolute fact that we will one day see Jesus face to face. Though we don't see Him now, we will. We will. If you were in Christ, it's an absolute surety. You don't have to hope that that's the case. You don't have to, 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 to pray and beg for that to be the case. You don't have to worry about that. Our Savior will welcome us home one day. He will say, enter in. And you know what? In that moment, all this other stuff... It'll be worth it. It'll be worth it. I promise you. Six. We have hope in a completion to our salvation when we are glorified in Christ. The salvation He started in us will be completed. The good work that he began will be finished. So all this life of sanctification will have truly prepared us for the glory of a brand new body when we are made perfect in Christ. He's going to complete it. And I know I've given you a lot of Bible today. Well, guess what? That's the best thing I can give you. But I want to leave you with a little bit more hope, even still through the word of God. Hebrews 6, verse 16 through 20 says this. For people swear by something greater than themselves, and in all their disputes, an oath is final for confirmation. So when God desired to show us more convincingly to the heirs of the promise, the unchangeable character of his purpose, he guaranteed it with an oath. So that by two unchangeable things in which it is impossible for God to lie, We who have fled for refuge might have strong encouragement to hold fast to the hope set before us. We have this as a sure and steadfast anchor of the soul, a hope that enters into the inner place behind the curtain where Jesus has gone as a forerunner on our behalf, having become a high priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. Christ is our anchor. He's a sure and steady hope. You see, we can't be moved from this hope on Him. Just as an anchor will keep the boat from moving, don't move from the hope that you have in Christ. Because Christ entered into the holy place, presented His blood, the sacrifice was accepted for you, and now you are His and He is yours. Period. Ephesians 1 
verses 17 through 23 says this, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and of revelation and knowledge of him, having the eyes of your hearts enlightened, that you may know what is the hope to which he has called you. What are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints? And what is the immeasurable greatness of his power towards us who believe? According to the working of his great might, that he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead, seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion and above every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the one to come. And he put all things under his feet and gave him as head over all things to the church, which is the body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. You see, there is one thing throughout all of Scripture. And that's hope. Hope in Christ, our Redeemer. And we, his church, have that hope. You see, that hope was bought by Christ. It was worked through the power of God, and we are kept in it by the guarantee of the Holy Spirit. It is a hope from God. It's his hope, a gift to us. Rest in the glorious hope of Christ Jesus. Let us pray. Father God, we approach your throne of grace and mercy knowing that you have given us the greatest gift of all, that we are redeemed through the blood of Christ, that our hope is in his work and not ours, that the favor that we have is not from us, it's from him. And we know that we can trust and what he has done, he has completed the work, he has finished it, and it is a complete, holy and powerful work that we can count on. We thank you for that, God. God, help us to walk in hope for the rest of this week and for the rest of our lives, knowing that what we see is not all there is. What we see is nothing we can hope in, but what we do not see is something that we can count on that you have saved us and you will finish that great salvation through the power of the one who has all authority in heaven and earth, Jesus Christ, through the guarantee of his Holy Spirit working in us, through the plan that you shed forth before the foundation of the world. Father, we pray for those who may not be in Christ. God, we ask that you would Cut them to the heart, convict them, let them see the glory that is in Christ. We thank you so much for that. Let us not take it for granted that we have it, God, and let us not take for granted that the other, other people need to hear it. The gospel. Sinner, run to Christ. Repent and trust in him. He's your only hope. Believe the gospel. It is true, and it is your only hope. Thank you, Father. Help us this week to, to focus on you. We thank you. We praise you for all that you are in our lives. In Christ's name we pray.
Amen.